This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Good to have your company on the Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to drink wise. Series 7, episode 43 of the Sounding Board. Uh, and Craig Cutchison, as I say hello to you today, you're down a computer screen again. I'm assuming it's uh, still New Zealand. Hello. Hello, Damo. I'm on, at Auckland Airport at the moment in a conference room on the way through to Dubai and Doha for the Socceroos game on Wednesday night for three days. So looking forward to that very much. Um, you're, going table to, is, you're going to the World Cup. Table is set, isn't it, for the uh, game? Mind you, I don't expect to be like Sam McClure and caught singing the national anthem in the uh, cutaway on the global feed like he was on the weekend. Did you catch that? No, no. You're oh, telling me something. I, didn't, I did watch the game, but I didn't catch that. So what happened there? Well, my phone lit up with references that Sam McClure was the in the cutaway on the on the global feed of the national anthem singing his lungs out. <laughs> Did he have a tear in the <laughs> eye like you do when you sing the uh, American one? A lot of people, of course, mistook him for Danny Bonaducci of the Partridge family, but uh, no, it was Sam McClure. So there you go. Hang on, um, just let me go. Anthem. On what basis are you going, though? I, I just need to get my head around this. What, what business are you going to be doing over there? Uh, I've got a little bit of work to attend to. We are the radio rights holder, Damo, in Australia and New Zealand, as you know, and our team have done a magnificent job, and we've got a few uh, clients involved. So, yeah, I'm heading, heading briefly in and be back Friday. Yeah, um, you're a free coach. be back in time. To be, to be fair, I'll be back through Auckland for the Perth Wildcats New Zealand Breakers game here next Saturday, So and then home Sunday morning. So there you go. That's my uh, – since, since, since you're tracking me, there you go. No, it's hey, good. Um, it's good. I like it. By the way um, – Obviously, tough day yesterday. We we called. We've seen um, the Liberal Party call in many of its ex um, staffers to help con- console the leaders and ex members to talk about whether they had the right people running the campaign. As an ex Herald Sun employee, were you called in among any other Herald Sun? <laughs> Campaign members to discuss where the campaign went wrong yesterday and how it could have been done differently. Like, was there a room yesterday where you and you know Bruce Matthews and Daryl Timms and Peter Samanovich in New York and a whole others had to come together and sort of talk about where the party's moving and whether it needs to move in a different direction? Or are you kind of not welcome back in those sort of ex? Because it was a tough. No, they end up with no seats to Herald Sun, which was disappointing going in. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you got to head down the usual path of me and the Liberal Party, Hutchie, because my brother works for them. But no, um, they would have surely at least scheduled by now, if, if not already had, a series of crisis debrief meetings out of all of that, wouldn't they? Surely. Surely they owe it to themselves, let alone the community, to, to oh, do that. I'm just having a joke. But Steve Brax wasn't having a joke. Now, to be fair, Steve is an ex-Labor leader and was his, was a moment in the sun when Dan Andrews won, but he said they have zero effect. Yep. Do you agree with that in hindsight, or do you think that the part of the 4% swing they could take credit for no, I, the I, Liberal Party? I think they, the effect they had was to somehow galvanise support around Daniel Andrews. I, I actually think it had that effect. I, I, as I said last week, Kachi, I can't cop the bloke like a lot of people in Victoria can't. I've never met him, but I cannot copy him, could not vote for him and didn't, chose to vote independent, as I told you last week. But I had a period of feeling actually sorry for him last week after the sustained, the um, unbalanced, the, the deliberately vindictive campaign that they ran against him and, and the very, very personal nature of it. I, I actually think it had... 
um, an impact in that those people who, who may have been wavering, may have been thinking to, to not go for him, may have somehow thought, well, no, nah, no, well, we, we will go with him because of the, the, the attack on him by, by an organisation that once could lay claim to being very, very unbiased in its coverage and, and very balanced in its coverage, but clearly hasn't bothered being that way now well, for some time. Well, it, it formed a view that he wasn't the right guy to take us forward, the Herald Sun. There's a lot of people in the community who have, who have that view and a very loud view that, that Dan Andrews is not for them after what we've been through. Equally, there's obviously more who, who thought he was the best of the options. And so my, my, my question is, when you campaign as a newspaper, do you need to do it on behalf of the – like, I'm not – I've only, only spent two years in newspaper, so I, I ask you this in, in without any hint of an agenda – does your opinion need to match the mood of your electorate and your people? Do you think you need to represent your readers or do you feel that you can um, tell them how you feel and try and convince them of how they should feel? What well, do you think the role of the newspaper is? Well, they've taken the latter approach, haven't they? Yep. They, they tried to bludgeon people into, into agreeing with their very hardline stance on it. And again, I actually don't have an issue with it because we've long spoken, Hutchie, you and I, and we've both worked for that organisation. We both loved our time there and I'll always forever be appreciative of what it did for me and, and what I think what it did for the city. It doesn't choose to be what it once was anymore. It just chooses to run its own race on everything. And what it's doing, though, is, is embarrassingly being out of touch and out of sync with what is actually going on. It has now run several campaigns across the country in various elections, federally, statewide. It is so far off being able to influence anyone anymore. The only people that don't realise it right now are the people still making and calling the shots inside that building. And when I said before that they surely would have called some emergency meetings now, because if they were covering an organisation that acted like it for, for, for months leading into this election, and particularly in the, in the final 15, 16, 17, 18 days into it, and had the result in their face the way it came out on Saturday night in this Victorian state election, and then not to be calling for sackings and changes and, and, and rejigs and, and reorganisation of the entire operation on the back of it. They just think we just wake up and have a new front page and we all just move on and, and, and that's all okay. Well, that's, that's the, that's the um, benefit of owning a newspaper. You can move on quickly. And I, I, don't, I, didn't, I didn't think it was very becoming, but I don't have a – and I thought it was quite personal – so there were the two things I didn't like, but other than that, that was I don't extremely have a personal. I don't have a problem at all with the, with them forming a view and expressing it strongly, even if it is out of step with the community. That's that's okay. That that's fair. I think that's fair and reasonable. It was the tone and manner that got a bit a bit much in the end. But, um, but, but what annoys me, Hutchie, is is, is they, they they try and convince themselves, I reckon, as a starting point, and 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 believe it that they are impartial and that they are balanced. There there, there was, no, there was no, none I don't, of I don't that. Think, I don't, I don't think there was any um, attempt to pretend that through this through this election. I thought that they just formed a view and and argued their case and and now move on. Well, uh, well what, they didn't is, win. So, are you saying that there's no ramifications for the people who, who've gone down this campaign and 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 deliberately well, attempted to hijack the coverage to the point where? You know, there was not one form of balance in it for, for such a long time, and then then to get it so drastically wrong, and, and and to not reflect what the community has said, and it's the purest way of knowing what the community does. 
a vote in this yeah. country. I mean, what do you want to say about this political I mean, system we've got? And I know we've got the way the votes work and the how to vote cards, and I understand the way it's all done. And I did study it at school, so I actually do understand how it works. But ultimately, he came out on top when it's all said and done. When it's all run through the wash and put through, he came out on top again resoundingly. I thought the uh, Andrew Bolt column, time for Andrews to stand down an hour and a half after he'd won the election, was <laughs> um, I could pretty much roll with a punch on most things during this campaign, and I have a bit more empathy than, than perhaps you do, but that was nearly the jump the shark moment of the weekend for me. Like See, if I was you, proud if of myself there. I, I didn't click on that. So tell me what was in that. <laughs> I, I refused I to click on that. I saw it. I absolutely saw it. But what the, did it say? The, the swing. I actually, to be fair, haven't read the full details. I don't want to be one of those guys, but I did read the headline. Time for Andrews to go, and I thought that, that might be just about the uh, the cupcake on the whole thing. Hey, Matt Guy, I want to talk about Matt Guy for a sec. The artist formerly known as Matthew. Um, he had a real. It, it was um, to be fair. He got out campaigned by Dan Andrews here for whatever you think of each of them. Mm. Um, he didn't really land a punch. Um, his name change didn't work. The Mitch Catlin piece obviously didn't help along the way. Um, he had a fair target on his head, Dan, and he had an invested newspaper behind him. And it's only fair that he steps steps down. I did read on Twitter a couple of people say he they, that they'd been demoed by him over the years, and I wanted to get this on the on the agenda. He, they'd been demoed by him, which is the new word for blocked on Twitter. So. He's a Twitter blocker, Tomo. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> if I had known this, I could have reset this whole campaign five weeks out. Matt, if you're listening, if you get another chance in public life to champion yourself, you can't be going down the demo sensitive blocking. Oh yes, routine. you can. You've got to yes, be. You you've got to be open to people, to Matt. <laughs> the artist formerly known as Matthew needed to be unblocking them left, right, and centre demo, like you're <laughs> promising to do in this in this demo amnesty or damnesty as we're going. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, There's a few people who reckon they haven't been uh, unblocked. Haven't been yeah. unblocked yet. In we the might get that in a minute. I've seen. I, I just have noticed Jane put that onto the running sheet. We'll get that to that in a minute. Just before we do head off, and, and I'm sure people want us to right now, because as we keep saying, politics, we don't really know a lot about, even though we spend a lot of time talking about it. Is it is it absolutely now, w without doubt, that media does not influence the public the way it once thought um, it did? Would, is would, is yeah, it now say, beyond refute? repute? repute? I would say as a, as a rule that in the modern era with politicians' ability to directly communicate to people at home, they no longer need or rely upon favourable media like they once did. I think that's without doubt on any platform anywhere in the world. The and, balance of power And, and by shifted. extension of that, do, do other organisations around the world, and let's let's now throw the AFL organisation, and I'm not just talking about AFL headquarters, but equally the, the actual clubs themselves, do, do they also need to realise that the – once upon a time, need to have and, and curry favour with the major organisations around town, it just doesn't matter? Uh, it doesn't matter as much. It still matters, but it just doesn't quite matter as much. There's been a, there's been a shift, hasn't there? And the clubs have been under this for a long time anyway with their own platforms and their own agenda. They are, but, but there are still some yep. that play the old-fashioned game where, you know, a, a back page story is worth so many points under a certain um, value system that they then, you know, put up into a nice little PowerPoint presentation back to the sponsor who has got his or her um, logo on the back page. That doesn't Damo, work anymore, Hutchie. There's only, there's only two weeks to go. 
I know you're in, we're heading into your 22 weeks leave. This is 43 episode 44. <laughs> just try and harness the cynicism for another seven days. Just try and get through. I don't mind if you're on your barbecue or on your porch and you're venting about everything. I'm in a happy happy place. I, know, I don't need the cynicism coming at me like from every angle. It's a cynicism overload at the moment. I'm do- dodging and weaving. Oh, it's, yeah. It's too much. Hey, before we move off politics, which I know you want to, but no, I'll, let's I, move I off. Feel, I don't know. I am getting um, to, to, to Jamie. How did Georgia from the market go? Uh, okay, but no, Old nowhere near. Oh, she got. I think like, I saw this, the um, the updated results this morning. It was about two thousand votes, but I think two thousand. Yeah, two thousand votes was was only about twenty percent of the the leading vote count in that seat. I think so. We have more than more than two thousand customers on the weekend at South Melbourne Market. Yes, a lot of votes. Yep. So. Two thousand is not a not a small number, actually, but it's not not one that's going to get near uh, running I'd, this seat, I'd, is it? You know what? I, you know who I'm recommending for the next state election? Tell me, Hutchie. As the independent, who, tell me your your neighbour. I think they'd be fantastic. They've stood up to you. They forced you out of your home. They haven't mucked around. They've written a legal letter to me. They're, they're they are their own people. I would get in behind them and vote for them in the next election. Don't what, what legal but, letter did you get? I'm not. I'm actually not aware of a legal letter you got. You, you actually legal got a legal letter. letter. Yeah, saying stop joking about the circumstances behind the, uh, the the dispute that led you leave the house for nearly a year, and please don't mention it ever again. You you got that sent to you? Yes. Why didn't you tell me that at the time? Uh, I did. Not not in that term. And I've thought. <laughs> so that's what happened. So there you go. Um, um, all right, let, let's move on to the on unblocking because I did I do see here Jane has uh, tabled the the topic that that I was committing to change last week. Uh, Jared Plowman. Um, Jared Plowman, 33, was blocked last week, and I said I would unblock him. I haven't got around to do it, Hutchie. So can you pick up this conversation? It's on the front page there of the running sheet that I know you've got. As I search Jared Plowman, 33, I am going to unblock Jared Plowman just so I can do what I said I'd do last week and haven't got around to doing. So take well, it over, Hutchie. I was going to ask you about the Reserve yes. Bank of Australia. It's finally apologised to people, which you've been calling for. This this might be might be your greatest greatest win of the summer. You've been calling for the Reserve Bank apology and you finally now got it. The Reserve Bank of Australia, and I'll quote, the Governor Phil Lowe has apologised for people who took out pandemic era mortgages, thinking rates would not rise. Quote, I'm sorry that people listening to what we said and now find themselves in a position they don't want to be in. So this is a big development and I think this is on the back of the increased scrutiny you've given this topic in all seriousness. Well, I do feel sorry for people who listen to to Philip Lowe and the RBA, and I've been saying this now for a couple of months, Hutchie, how for the most of 2020, he just kept saying there will be no rate rises until 2024. Now we've had six, what is it, seven, and they've all been half a percent or thereabouts, more than the uh, once traditional quarter of a percent. So again, I, I talk about people who need to have a, a look internally, and, the, and, and it was a Herald Sun a moment ago, surely the RBA needs to shine that torch, it shines on the economy onto its own operations and just go, you know what, we got this horrendously wrong. It's embarrassing for us and our, and our people that work for us and around us and, and beneath us and, and represent us. It's actually damning for what we told the Australian people to do. Surely their charter is to, to at least have a semblance of idea about what is going on in that space. I think, But I think, to be fair, that's what he's done, right? He's apologised. He said we got it wrong. Well, it's and taken you a while, hasn't it? It's the front page of the age at the moment as we go to go uh, as we we're rec- by the way the time reference it's uh, twelve <laughs> fourteen Melbourne time Monday twenty yep. eighth of November twenty twenty two episode forty three um, 
but he's give, he given evidence this morning to the Senate Estimates Committee for the first time. And he said he failed by not making it clear that his commentary around steady interest rates was heavily conditional on the state of the economy, um, which I guess he would have assumed, right? The cash rate has climbed from 0.1% to 2.85% and expected to go again later in the week. It's on out there, <laughs> uh, ch- challenging. And we thought the, the apology we had to have, I think, yeah. to be fair. Again, I don't. As, as I get older, Hutchie call for people to, to remove themselves from positions or, or be sacked. But, but I, I don't see a more damning take on someone who's, who's in, basically employed by the country in, in that, if you want to put it, that word in inverted commas, to at least have an idea about what lies ahead and to get it so damningly wrong. I, I don't know how you're still there. I, I honestly don't. It, it's, it's a pretty significant position and, and, and a, I've never seen a change like it. Yep, fair yep. point. Hey, the, we, we discussed it last week, but just the, the final wrap-up on this before we move on to the next topic. Um, how did you score the Langer v. the World debate in the end? In the end? We saw another column on the West Australian on the weekend. Who won? Who are you giving the points to? I don't think uh, I don't think anyone's winning it, are they? I mean, it was the, it was ugly when it happened. It's it's continuing to, to be ugly. Clearly, Justin Langer wants it before the, this summer series started to, to get some more information out there in the public domain, which is he's right. It's it's clearly caused angst, hasn't it, given that there's going to be a, a Channel 7 commentary role for him of sorts and and how that looks when it comes to, to coverage and, and him being involved in, in panels that may be interviewing Australian cricketers. And I'm really keen to see what happens with Pat Cummins because that was a lot of the target. Um, I felt Justin too, when he's used to the word cowards, Hutchie, when he's referring to sources being cowards and then was, was there an attempt at a retrofit on on his yep. definition of cowards, which I, I I thought that was a stretch. Now, I was all for Justin having that say and, and even using that yep. word, if that's what he was comfortable to use by way of of, of, of of describing what he thought were the sources being used by media outlets. But then the next day, in, in a subsequent interview, to, to attempt, in my eyes, to deflect away from what he meant by use of coward – I thought that was as big a stretch as I've seen for a while. Yeah, I think he he tried to rule out the players. He tried to laugh off the fact that the, the source slash cowards could be the players or his former colleagues. I think it's a fair um, – if you're reading that for the first time, like how many other people are there in the loop, really, like other than that crew or those close to them? So absolutely I interpreted that they were among the targets and I, it was an attempt to retrofit. When you hear someone laugh in a TV interview and say nothing can be further from the truth, it's not a, not it's a disingenuous way to answer a question, is it? <laughs> well, I, again, I, I watched that subsequent interview and I, and I wanted to see who he was referring to in use of the word coward, and, and I didn't get that. Now, I may have missed it. I may not have seen the relevant part of the interview, but I, I didn't leave the, that reflection clear on who he meant after all of that. Over, overcompensated, I think. Little Brothers and some of these things. Yeah. Went a um, bit too far. Now, how's anyway. you, I officially have unblocked Jared Plowman, thirty-three, okay. who, who had an issue um, with the fact I hadn't last week. So, Jared, you, you, you're free again to see my wonderful tweets, and I haven't been you, tweeting much recently, anyway. You know, I've um, keep a close eye on the TV news, don't I? You do, you do. I'm like that kind of retired old guy in the in the uh, you know sitting in the retirement village when they come past and ask his opinion. He's got 600 opinions on everything because he you know, once walked those streets. 600. You know, been, <laughs> I've been retired for 
My last television news stint was 2006, so I've been a long time hanging the boots up, Damo. And you're, do you're a live member of four organisations. Is that is that also part of your, uh, I, your I've CV? Worked in, yeah. I've worked in all of the newsrooms. I know where all the bones are buried, and <laughs> uh, I know I know I know I've seen every I've seen every raw twice over, and I'm prepared to go public, Damo, and rip rip the curtain back from time to time. <laughs> so I do I do keep it like an eye on the young bulls. Yep. Um, and I've often commented that uh, Ed and Woolley at Channel Nine. A, very good, but B, you don't see a lot of piece-to-camera work from Ayrton. Now, self-conscious, albeit, he, does, he doesn't do a lot of piece-to-cameras. There's some piece-to-camera operators who want their head-on camera for as much of the story as possible. They know who they are. The regular listeners of the sounding board would know who they are. Well, we'll re- rename them. Name them. Ayrton is not one of them. You don't often see a piece-to-camera. I don't know whether he's busy or, you know, um, just can't be bothered. I was a can't-be-bothered guy, so I kind of relate to that a little bit. He's not really about him normally, but just maybe the, <laughs> he's changing gears because while this story didn't have a piece of camera in it, it had an enormous attempt to link himself to the subject and his own history. Take a listen to Ayrton Woolley's story on the news this week. Charlie was little more than a toddler when his dad was in his prime, even sharing the field with this reporter as teammates at the Port Colts. How time flies. Has he got a few more tricks than me? Uh, well, he can run forward. You used to sort of run in the same spot, didn't you, mate? You didn't usually get too far. <laughs> now, I Ed, love that. <laughs> no, no one cares that you play with the kid, the kid at the Port Colts, mate. No one cares. He's about to get drafted. Fantastic. No, they, You've got a they did, Archie. I, I didn't know that about Eden. I did not know that about Eden. <laughs> How do I work into this story that I played at the Port Colts myself? Oh, okay. Why don't I just... Uh, that's the catch. There you go. It's a step forward in self-promotion. <laughs> will you will you give it a rerun on on Saturday morning with Picks? Hundred percent. Self self insertion. Um, yeah. Look, I, I, look, we amuse ourselves, Archie, with the RBA stuff, and and you've picked up on the Bureau of Meteorology um, recently as well, and you, you felt they were sitting on the fence last week after calling them out the previous week, and our listeners were in on that. But there's a warning from from Molly Fart on Twitter that you dismissed the forecast in, in 2010. Now, this is addressed to you, Hachi. You have to be careful claiming victory over the bomb. Seem to remember listening to a racing report on your Saturday morning show a few years ago where the bomb had predicted heavy storms, but the morning was clear. Reporter was bagging out the bomb. Long story short, the storm came. The races were called off, and the storm was so violent, there was damage to the Dockland Stadium roof, Hachi. So... You've got to retract and maybe be a little bit more careful in bagging the Bureau of Meteorology, which doesn't want to be known as the bomb. And that's a good call out by Molly Fudd on Twitter. 2010, turn it up, Molly. Hey, the one that I liked, uh, <laughs> regular sounding board listener, let's just uh, dub her Jackie for the time being. Uh, also sent a bomb uh, prediction that, that had them forecasting a 50% chance of rain. <laughs> um, now... It's it. They either think it's going to rain, or they don't think it's going to rain. <laughs> it, you and I could have predicted that it may or may not rain today. A, a possible fifty percent chance of rain is just something I reckon you and I could probably work out ourselves. Can they get a? Oh, we've shaken their confidence here. On the well, I'm worried about this. <laughs> you, you reckon our reach has got there, do you? <laughs> a 50 percent chance of rain. What are we going to say in the media release? Oh, I don't know. I'm in two minds. Uh, might rain. Put it down at fifty. It might rain. <laughs> And it might not rain.
Oh, I'd fall short of saying it's going to rain. Okay, we'll say it's not going to rain. No, no, I'd fall short of saying that too. Well, we're going to say something in the release this morning. Yeah, I know, but we're getting a hard time. What are we going to say? Why don't we say it's got a 50% chance of rain? Can we say there's a, happy. which is what the reason, a 75% chance of no rain? Yeah, amazing. Which means so there is a 25% chance of some rain, doesn't it? Confidence is shaken, Damo. It's a, it's a problem out there, so we're one we've got to deal with. Um, we, we, we like identifying new buzzwords in, in various media, and we're probably guilty of using all of them ourselves, Hutchie, but there's a new one emerged this week in, in a very significant way, front page of the, the Herald Sun Online um, throughout the course of the week. In the space of two, in, in space of the five stories that were actually on the display page yep. at one stage... People were, were, quote, getting savaged. Yep. Yep. Now, it's a big thing. Sally Cap, who's big... the Lord Mayor here in Melbourne, was savaged for, for a COVID <laughs> speech. And the Nine um, Entertainment, uh, Channel Nine, was, was also, quote, savaged by viewers for its coverage of the ARI Awards. So, savaged, put a, put, just put a watch on savaged, all right? This, yep. is, a, this is the it's new become... one. Well, it's, well, it's obviously it's obviously um, showing up in the Verity pretty aggressively, I think. Yep. The clickbait's been significant, so that's happening. Hey, just on footy, is yep. Craig Kelly going to be the new CEO of Collingwood? It seems that way, doesn't it? Yeah. It, it has been um, mooted now unofficially for, for a couple of weeks. 15, it's been mooted for 20 years. Well, initially it was mooted for him to be chairperson, wasn't it? President. That, that was the role that was initially mooted for probably twenty years. Yeah, but but the CEO role is is, a, is a, obviously a paid role, and one that requires a bit more. Well, not more, not a bit more, a whole lot more hands on work. This this thought has hung around football circles for forever and a day. You think that the deal is done and that that Craig is going to go in to be. Jeff's CEO. It, it, again, I'm, I've actually have started that 10 weeks that you uh, joke about, Hutchie, and make 22. But I have actually started, so, so I haven't, and I'm not going to make a call <laughs> because I need to tune out, as you pointed out before. I am, uh, I'm a little banged up at the moment. Um, I, But everyone I speak to, Hutchie, inclusive of, of last week, without making phone calls but receiving them, just keep saying that that is what is going to be happening. Yes. Are you surprised yeah. at that? A little bit, yeah, I am, actually. I know he's got a great love of Collingwood, so that's you know that would be tugging at the heartstrings. But I'm probably surprised on both ends. I'm probably surprised that um, obviously hugely successful business TLA. They've done a, a great job in over a long period of time, and they've been bought and sold a couple of times, and involved in the V8 supercars now as well. And so that would be a hard business, I would think, to walk away from. Um, what would he have to do commercially? With regards to that role, can he, could he stay, remain as as clearly crucial to the operations of his management group that he's always been, or does he have to totally remove all that? It's a delicate question, I would reckon. Everyone can manage their conflicts. I'm a believer in that. I'm sure he's got the ability to do that, but it is a big conflict to manage. Well, I suppose in that of... regard, you, 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 you do the same thing, don't you? You're, you're yeah, a CEO yeah, of a company, yeah, I mean, and, and bit, you are also CEO of another or, or a director of another company that, that manages athletes. It's the one business. It's the same business. So our business manages athletes. Um, so he could stay a shareholder in that business, but not run it. It's just a matter of to what level and what influence, I guess. What would happen? It's a, it's what would happen if he's asked at the draft table tonight? Now you've time coded this. The draft, yep. the national draft is on tonight. He is an incoming person of uh, of note for the footy club. If there's a line ball decision at Collingwood's first pick, and there's a Craig Kelly client and a non Craig Kelly client, no, like it gets it gets overplayed. The agents, the agents take a small percentage. It's only like four percent, and they do a lot of work for it. So he he would be, like that's not 
I wouldn't have thought that's a get rich quick scheme for him. Like no. it's part, it, like he, he's done a very good job with that business for a long time, to be fair. So I'm, I would suspect he would probably, if he took the Collingwood job on, he would ease out um, or sell down a bit or, you know, remain more passive. But I'm sure it's a, it's a, it's a conflict he could manage. It's certainly not the biggest conflict we've seen in football. Let's be fair about that. Um, Equally, it's an intriguing element. He's relationship rich, obviously, and um, you can see how that would add gravitas to Collingwood's uh, way. Um, there's probably other CEOs around that have done it more regularly in footy that I thought might have been a yard ahead in the, in the selection process. But, yeah, it's interesting to see. Such, um, as, such, tell as, me, such as? Well, the pool looks okay, right? Like, like if you've got Xavier Campbells of the world who are around, who's very credentialed and experienced, and I don't know, if I was reading that he might be interested. So, yeah. It's a it's an old school power duo, isn't it? Brown and Kelly. Yeah, it's it going to be. It's, it yeah. Is, yeah, yeah. And and speaking, be speaking before, as you sense. did about knowing where bodies are buried, that no one, no one knows more bodies and where they're buried than Jeff Brown in, in the history. Yeah. I think in the history of Melbourne, let alone uh, sport in Melbourne and the yeah. Collingwood Footy Club. I thought we might end up with a Volandi style, Volandi's Abdo style CEO, where Jeff's influence could be exerted more. Freely, I, I, I suspect in a Kelly-led admin, Jeff's a little more passive than he'd probably like to be. So okay. that gets a bit interesting, the dynamic, and it'll be good be good viewing. Yep. Hey, just on uh, Daisy Pearce, Damon, I, yes. I read a few people on our Twitter feed say, do you think it's fair and reasonable that Daisy was asked on the ground after the game about her future as a player? I saw that last night. Um, people were directing that question to us and, 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 and I think on other areas of social media. And, and I've watched that interview and I, and I watched the game and I've, I've loved the AFLW season. I, if you don't ask that question, you are going yep. to have a massive issue, and, and rightly so, with the people who run that TV network. Because my view, Hutchie, I think you've got a similar one on this one. If you don't ask that question, you are not doing your job. Because you ask the question, Daisy, is this it? You might get the greatest answer of all time. Yes, it is. I, I have told my teammates before the game. You, you don't know. Now, Daisy didn't do that. I don't think Daisy was ever going to do that. She wouldn't want to make her own situation um, part of the celebration of the Melbourne Premiership um, um, facet. But you have to ask the question. And, and, and it doesn't detract from the moment in any way at all, in my eyes. You 100% have to ask a question. You are committed to ask it as the on-field reporter. You've I've never got the answer to a question I've never asked, Damo. Yeah. You yeah. must ask the questions. Um, imagine if Jason McCartney hadn't been asked about his future after the Bali return game when he told the crowd that he was retiring and hanging the boots up and was cheered off. Imagine that hadn't happened. Hmm. Mind you, I can't imagine that the, the, the Tony Jones didn't have at least a heads up that was coming. But it, you, <laughs> you can't... You must. There was an issue there, the you question. know. You know, there's this backstory there, which I'm just trying to retrace before I think about. Oh it. no, didn't he? Didn't he get eased off to the left for uh, Eddie? Yeah, like yeah. yeah well, there. there's Eddie was involved because nine had the rights, we... obviously. I'm just, I'm just trying to rack my brain as we speak here as to what order of events and how it transpired. But there was all sorts of stuff from my, from the way I had it told to me over the journey, Hutchie, going on behind the scenes before that. Yep. Have I ever told the story on? Have I ever told the story on the sounding board about the time that I was usurped by Eddie on the MCG in the 1998 grand final? Of all the stories you've told, and I've heard all of them in a hundred times, I don't think I know this one, so go. The other one I thought of yesterday was, have I ever told the story about the time I interviewed Norm from Cheers on the sounding board? No. <laughs> no, I haven't heard this one either. Maybe keep that one for next week, but tell me the other one. I'll keep the Norm for Cheers yeah. next week. Oh, if I've told this before, I apologise, but I, I do lose track of these things. Um, 
You don't, you don't tell as many war stories as you. You were going down that path about four or five years ago. I, had to, I remember I had to call you out. Yeah. Publicly, no, you, privately, you, behind you the scenes, no, to people got, around you, caution. to your nearest and dearest. Hey, just tell Hutchie to back off on the war stories. And, and I actually miss the war stories now. You t- you've actually listened to it. So I'm looking forward to this one. In 1997 or 8, one of the two Adelaide Crows premierships, I was the uh, boundary rider demo for Triple M as a young kid. <laughs> Imagine you on the boundary. <laughs> and and I, was, I was the match day reporter. And my job after the game was to go out on the ground and interview the Adelaide Crows. And I went down to the boundary line. I got I had a media pass. I got down to the fence. And Eddie's done the magnificent, as only Eddie can, wind up. This is history-making for Adelaide. They've delivered today for their fans. The Adelaide crews are up in arms. They love it. They've taken the G by storm. What a moment for Malcolm Blight, etc. Let's cross down the man in the middle of the action to walk in with the players and hear the reaction. Might have been 97. Yeah, it must have been 97. It, if, is, if that was the record-breaking one. Then, it, yep. is, is our man. And he said, he's there with them on the boundary line. And I, he threw to me on the boundary line. And I thought, as he threw... They're not here on the boundary line with me. Like, how can he say that they're here on the boundary line with me? They're not. So I start talking, and then realise that I'm at the wrong, on the wrong side of the ground oh, no. live. I'm out the front of the Great Southern Stand on the boundary, <laughs> inside the fence, and they are in the Richmond rooms. You know, the Richmond rooms over in the Olympic side of the venue, and and it gave me a second one. Grab one of the players. They're walking past you now, and tell us how it's feeling. And I, I'm. 300 metres away. <laughs> <laughs> so I need to awkwardly um, buy time and throw back from for 30 seconds to the commentary box. I can only imagine what while, Eddie's saying right now off air. Well, in my suit, I need to run inside the fence around the boundary, like awkwardly, um, around to the proper rooms where they are walking in because that's the only way I could do it. And it, what I realised was how many listeners Triple M had that day. And people were abusing me as I went, you're in the wrong rooms, you idiot. I could hear him coming over the fence. <laughs> and by the time I got, got around, I got one question in and then I'd turn around and, and Eddie just grabbed the microphone off me and Did took he? over <laughs> for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> and it was absolutely fair and reasonable too. Like I'd, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd made, a, made a mischief. Um. Just a couple of other observations from our listeners this week, Kachi. There's been quite a fair bit of uh, suggestions for topics. Uh, one here from um, Moonman on uh, on Twitter. Can you wear shorts <laughs> when you're broadcasting on TV? And there's a photo here of Clint Stanaway covering the World Cup. And he is, he is and does appear to be in this screenshot, Hachi, in shorts. C- can you, as a news reporter, no matter how hot it is, wear shorts? I think you can. Uh, I think you can. I remember getting a, a caution in my early Channel 7 days for wearing shorts in the summer from the then news director, Neil Miller. So I don't think you can. I think oh, really? it's, uh, you dress for the job you want, not the one you got. Mm. And uh, I don't think you can. Also, but, but when the, I say the, I think you can, I personally wouldn't, but I, I don't have a major issue with it in, in situations where it may be 48 degrees, Sachi. He's in Dubai, though, isn't he? He was in uh, Doha. I think he's in Doha, isn't he? I think he's on the ground. Yep. As far as I, I know him to be, I think, Shane, isn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he is. Um, the frame in of the week was Mitch Cleary, who um, somehow framed himself into a Sam Mitchell interview. I, I didn't think it was frame in areas, but he did. So <laughs> well done to Mitch. 
Um, it's just reminding Tom, who's probably on holidays, that yeah, I think when Tom goes on holidays, you frame yourself in more regularly. Just as a reminder, just be niggling away at him over the dinner table. Can't help but turn the news on during the summer barbie. <laughs> if he's saying to the deal to the. And Tom wouldn't be missing a beat, would he? Tom would be right. knowing what Mitch has got in advance. He'd be still making those phone calls uh, and text messages into the office, wouldn't he? He'd be no. He and Tom would be sitting there for, what's, sitting there for dinner. And what's Mitch got tonight? Look this bloke. What's Mitch got tonight? Framing frame himself in a guinea, Tara. Have a look at this. Can you believe this? <laughs> <laughs> um, Archie, what, what do you make of the, the footballer returning early to trading story? I, I, again, I am banged up. I am jaded. And, yes, I do need, yep. I do need to step, step away and just have a little refresh of the whole system, Archie. So I, I maybe – I shouldn't be going this path right now, but – the, the the older player who's been in the system for, for yeah. more than four years, who isn't Showing required to be. Why is it a story, Hutch? I'm guilty of him in the past, Hutch. Don't get me wrong. I'll be guilty of it again. Yeah. But why are we trying to celebrate rep- players returning to do their job? <laughs> They're just Showing doing their job. Great leadership, Damo. Oh, great leadership. Yeah. yeah. Ahead of the uh, time trials, which will get well covered. The other, the other uh, cliche of the summer, if I read once more, mm. That the wacker, the, sorry, the Perth has traditionally had a bouncy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll throw up to quote Terry Wallace. <laughs> Mind you, as a, as a kid growing up, that was the greatest storyline of all time because it was usually the first test, wasn't it? And there was usually yep. a lot more interest than there is in this current series. And certainly when the Windies were in town, there was, oh, yep. how much is it going to bounce on that first morning? So yep. I get that reporting, but I'm a bit with you too. I'm jaded on the storyline. It's, yeah. it's a 40 year old storyline. I'm jaded on the coverage of pitches altogether. I think there's only so much you can talk about the the, the grass um, you run on. We'll get to our question of the week in a moment, but are you ready for next What's, week? Are you ready for next week? Yeah, the Soundies next week. The Soundies. I let's wrap it up a bit early. We don't need to stretch it out for time, Damon. There's, there's no fixed time. Let's, let's, I, know, I can see you're trying to get it through another five minutes. Oh, no, I wasn't. I was just, let's, are you ready for the Soundies? Because it's the it second year of the Soundies because because as you love re- referring to each each year, when, when, when Herald Sun wins its own Herald Sun Awards, we're gone, we've just decided as of last year to do the Sounding Board Awards. Now, we don't actually necessarily win the awards, but, but we've just got our own awards, haven't we? And, and it, was a, yep. it was a highlight last year. People liked it. People have been ringing me this year in the lead up to it, hoping not to be the recipient of an award. I've had two different people desperate, which, which, and, and those two people actually reminded me of what they may have done, which I had forgotten, and they might be in, in the nominations. Um, we've got age. We've also got the Crown Casino kindly sponsoring the best performed the age slash Sydney Morning Herald slash 60 Minutes Investigative Journalist of the Year uh, Award, So, uh, who's named after a horse. So that that uh, narrows the field down. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Now, the Soundies will be good very next week. And um, by the way, just before we finish up, I just want yep. to congratulate Drinkwise, our great partner. They've got a campaign out at the moment. It's okay to say nay. Uh, it's aimed at parents of teenagers who drink early. You will have seen it covered on the news. Um, the, the stats, I think 77% of parents um, don't allow it. Um, or or or, uh, or are actively involved in it. It is an area of society, obviously, that's emerged a little bit more deeply since COVID. I think it's um, perfectly well-timed. It's in the right um, tone. Uh, it's okay to say nay. Uh, we'll share the actual video out on our sounding board uh, Twitter feed, but to Simon and Nathan and their team, well done on a uh, campaign that has connected uh, with parents around the country. Yep. 
and in, in light of that, Hachi, that will be uh, the substitute for the question of the week this week because all the questions this week were related to the uh, Victorian state election, which we did address uh, very heavily off the top of our show today. But Hachi, I want you to do—I do want you to bring it home next week, though, because I've said regularly throughout the course of 2022, which is Series Seven of this Sounding Board podcast, that you've been in career best Sounding Board form. You've got one episode left. I want you to bring your your A game, as you have pretty much every week this year, just to complete the season and the series of the sounding board for Drinkwise. Let me bring my A game next week, don't I? I'll see you then. Are you back in town next week? I'll see you then, my friend, 100%. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.